Matthew chapter 21. And we're going to talk about the triumph of the king this morning. Matthew 21, the triumph of the king. Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? All right, don't, don't get quiet on me now. Don't get, don't get silent. Matthew 21, I'll try to slow down here and take a breath. Matthew 21, 1 through 11. Here we go, Matthew 21, 1. As they worshipped, they approached Jerusalem and came to, to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, and her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks, says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Verse 6. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, sat Jesus on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those followed shouted, Hosanna! To the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Can you imagine this? In Jerusalem. Okay, imagine this. Now, now again, fanfare. Some of you, um, I know I talk about this and I know that in, in this congregation there are people that vote Democrat, vote Republican, that vote Independent, don't vote at all. Some of you disdain politics, and I can understand that. Maybe you're from another country and you have royalty there, or maybe you don't have a good view of royalty. But this week, I, I, on Tuesday, I, I went with um, Zoe, had a field trip to one of the Smithsonian's. And um, we were leaving the Smithsonian's, and, and we came to a, 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 a street, and the, the, uh, the police had blocked off the street, and we were sitting there for a long time. I said, you know what? I bet the president's going to come by, isn't he? Because we were just sitting there, and they were letting cars go by. Now, whether you like him or not, uh, whether you voted for him or not, that, that's not the issue, okay? And so we were sitting there, and we were waiting and waiting and waiting, and finally, I don't know, ten minutes later, all of a sudden, three motorcycle cops come individually. I said, hey, kids, somebody's important coming. Check it out. And they're kind of looking. All of a sudden, then I saw the, the President Obama's, the two, the two big uh, Cadillac uh, what do you call them anyway? Uh, limousines, and then the, they had this, the Secret Service. And I was like, "Look, kids, it's the president!" And like, ah, you know. Some and some of the kids are like, you know, and some of the parents are like, and some of the parents are like, yeah, you know. And I thought, well, at least respect the office if you didn't vote the person. I mean, he's the president of our nation, whether you like him or not, whether you like the last president, whether you like the next president. And so what happens is, is sometimes we as Americans we kind of get an attitude towards leadership, don't we? Mm-hmm. You don't tell me that, Pastor. <laughs> yeah, we get an attitude towards leadership. And I can understand why. And see, what happens is that spreads into our Christianity. And we get an attitude with Jesus. We get an attitude with the Holy Spirit. We get an attitude when God tells us to, to obey Him, to worship Him. And so, Easter season is about lordship. It's about resurrection. It's about freedom. But freedom only comes when we obey. And you see, what's happening is when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, 
He was saying, he was fulfilling the prophecies that talked about, he, he rode on the back of a foal of a, a, a of a donkey, and he came in, and the people were shouting before him, they were shouting before him, uh, in front of him, behind him, and they laid down the palms, and they laid down their jackets, and I, I know I'm, I say this a lot, and I said it during worship, is what they were doing, is they were signifying, saying, Jesus, you're the Lord over us. We're laying ourselves at your feet. We're laying down at your feet. We're laying our lives, so you're over us. And they were shouting, and the city was asking, who is this? And they shouted, this is Jesus of Nazareth. And you see, I think sometimes in the church, we just kind of forget who Jesus of Nazareth is. We forget he is the king that triumphed for us so we can have salvation. We're kind of like maybe some of the adults who are, or kids when, when the president's, when the president's his whole entourage goes by. Some of us are like, you know. And sometimes when Jesus comes into this room, we're like, well... Come on, Pastor. Come on, just sing the songs and get outside and go. And we're missing Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And we come dragging in here. Well, it's just Palm Sunday. Oh, I'm annoyed at you right now, Pastor. You shouldn't be. This is an opportunity for us to bow down and say, wow, we're going to again put Jesus on the throne this morning. That Jesus triumphed over their death, hell, and the grave. And he, he defeated the enemy of our souls. And what he was doing, let, number one, is the king's triumph. Is Jesus was entering Jerusalem as the king. He was saying to the, to the Roman Empire, to the Jewish people, and to the spiritual powers, I am the king and I am fulfilling this prophecy here that was talked about for the Messiah in Zechariah. So do we have it? Letter A, Jesus enters as king. Zechariah 9.9. There it says, it says that, that your king comes to you righteous and brings salvation. He'll be riding on a donkey. Now a lot of times, you and I think of a king or a president coming in their, 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 you know, their big fancy vehicle. And, and so a lot of times, kings would come on a white horse, conquering, he had a sword and had soldiers with him. But Jesus said, I'm different. I'm not going to come with political power. I'm not going to come with armies. I'm going to come in the power of God. And I'm going to come humble because my kingdom is powerful. And I don't need to stretch my muscles out. I don't need to beat people up to make them submit to me. I'm going to come and I'm going to win their hearts and their, their souls. And I'm going to deliver them from the work of the enemy. So he comes on a donkey and he comes humble. Isn't that exciting? You see, Jesus was not and he is not just a good teacher or a prophet as some would proclaim. He was not, he, he is not just another spiritual being. He is not and he was not just a magic name or formula for, for having a, a, a good and easy life. Which a lot of times in church we think that, well, I speak this in Jesus' name and, and, and everything, just God will just bless me. And, and there's times when we do speak the name of Jesus and he does take care of us. But it's bigger than that. Jesus was not and is not a curse word. Amen? Yeah. You see, why do you think it's illegal to talk about Jesus? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the King of Kings. Why does the name of Jesus offend people? You can speak in all other religious people's names and other gods, but whenever a Christian in public mentions the name of Jesus, oh, it's okay to curse in the name of Jesus, but you can't pray or say, praise Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and the enemy is trying to keep you and I from proclaiming the name of Jesus. Amen? He is the King of Kings. His kingdom is over all kingdoms. Look at this. First Colossians 1, 15-20. It says this. He, speaking of Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, 
things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. In him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the, uh, and the, fir- and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, all things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. In other words, Jesus is overall, he, he is in charge. And you and I, we need to connect with him and make him, allow him to be in charge. And so when he fulfills this prophecy riding in Jerusalem, Jesus came as the promised Messiah. He came to set you and I free from sin. He came to set you and I free from addictions. He came to set you and I free from religion. He came to set us free from politics. He came to set us free from the, the things of this world that destroy us. He came to set you free even from yourself. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Isn't that awesome? You see, Jesus didn't come as man expected, but as man needed. He didn't come as a conquering warrior on a horse, which he will later. But he came as a humble king so that we could come before his throne and we could be saved by his love and by his grace. Isn't that awesome? You see, again, one day Christ will return. He will come on a white horse, as the Bible in the book of Revelation talks about. But right now, he's coming as a savior, as the Messiah. Second thing, letter B, the road to Calvary. The road to Calvary brings triumph. Colossians 2, 13-15 says this, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us, He took it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now, let me give you one example, and I'll talk about another example. It's like this. It's like, there's three examples I want to give. One is, if you've ever paid off a a bill, you ever done that, paid off a house, a car, or a bill, and you get the notice that says paid in full, and you're like, woohoo, I'm free. Anybody anybody can relate? You, You can't relate. There's joy in that. And in a sense, Jesus is saying, He's like, on your life, paid in full. You're free. Isn't that awesome? You're free. The second thing is this, is now what He's then saying, He's saying to Satan, He says, He says, I've bought them with my blood. You no longer have control over them. And whatever you held over them, you know that thing that He holds over us, He holds the guilt, the fear, the shame, the sins of our lives. Jesus takes those things, puts that, it's paid for in full, takes it to the cross and he nails it to the cross and he says, Satan, it's no longer over their heads anymore. So now you're free again. You're free of guilt. You're free of shame. You're, you're free of condemnation because Jesus has set you free. Isn't that awesome? Now the third story and the third part of this is in this time frame when a conquering king came and he took captive the enemies, he would make the enemies, he would strip them down to their bare clothes and he would make them march behind them in chains. And so basically he's saying, I'm taking public spectrum, I'm taking captive those things that the enemy has put on you and they has to march behind us because I'm over them now. And what I'm saying this morning, church, you've got to be, God can set you free from sin. He can set you free from those temptations. He can set you free from guilt or things. Some of you, you still beat yourself up every day about the past. You need to stop. Because this scripture I just read to you says you're free of that. Say that, I'm free. I'm free of my past. I'm free of Satan. 
I'm free of sin. Jesus has delivered me. Come on, this should be exciting. Jesus has taken your sin. He's taken your shame. He's taken your guilt. He's taken what the enemy tries to hold over you and he nailed it to the cross. And he points back to it every time. He says, Satan, you see, you have no control over them anymore. I'm the king. You bow to me. And Satan is just like that dog. You know, like some of you have, remember the bully growing up? Maybe you were the bully. Don't be a bully. It's not nice. But you know the bully, they, 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 they just, they keep bugging you until you stand up to them and say, stop, I'm done with this. And you can do that in the name of Jesus. Say, hey man, I am free in Jesus' name. You have no control of my life. Stop. Now. Amen? And he'll back down. You just say, stop in the name of Jesus. You see, Jesus was making a way for you and I to be freed from sin, hell, and the grave, freed from religion, free from Satan. And the triumphal entry was Jesus setting up himself as Lord of everything. And Jesus knew well that when he entered the city, the city wasn't going to like that. The religious people weren't going to like that. The Roman Empire wasn't going to like someone horning in on their power. And, and the demonic forces that were controlling this city was also upset. And he was purposely putting himself at the center of attention, saying, I am the King of Kings. And Jesus deliberately confronted these things. And you have the power in Jesus' name to deliberately confront these things that try to keep you back. Fears, when they come into your mind, I struggle with them. I say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Doubt, Lord, deliver me from doubt. The enemy brings something back from my life that I did years ago, a month ago, and I say, I, I rebuke that. I put that under the blood. I'm free of that. You can't hold that over me anymore. Isn't that awesome? You can do that. You can confront him and say, I'm free because Jesus set me free. Amen? So let us see then is, who is your king today? Who is your king? Who is your king? You see, every one of us have a king, whether you admit it or not. Every one of us bow to something or someone in our lives or a group of people. We bow to someone or something. And this morning, I, want to ho I hope that you will bow your life to Jesus. You see, you might bow to yourself. You might be the king of your life. You might bow to yourself. You might bow to the world system. It might be Jesus. It might be the religion of Christianity, which we'll talk a little bit about that. It might be a different religion. It might, you might be bowing to addictions. You might be bowing to the, to the stress of life. You might even be bowing to Satan himself. You see, Satan doesn't want you bowing to Jesus because he knows you will be free. And I'm going to challenge you, and I want you to ask, who is my king? Who do I submit to? Well, you say, well, I don't know who I submit to. You submit to whatever your actions are. Your actions show who you submit to. Your words show who you submit to. What you spend your time doing shows who you submit to. It's true. If you're in fear of the economy still, that is king over your life. If you're in fear of politics or your hate, I mean, whatever, if, if you watch Fox News 24 hours, if you watch CNN 24 hours, I mean, I, I was talking with a friend, I was talking with my, my wife, this, that, that this friend of mine and. He, he, he's so wrapped up in, into, the, into the politics and all the stuff that's happening in the Middle East that he's forgotten. I said, he's afraid of Iran getting a nuclear bomb. I said, dude, I, said, I, I don't want them to have a nuclear bomb. But I said, we need to be praying for the church in Iran. And he, got, I mean, he was getting mad at me. He's like, well, do, do, you want, do you want them to have a dirty bomb? I don't want anyone to have a dirty bomb. I don't want them to be dirty. I mean, I, I, want, I want people to be saved. And he's been watching this news stuff and it just, it's pumping him full of, of, of information. And I said, man, we are to reach the lost. I don't, I mean, yes, I pray against nuclear bombs. I pray against, I'm praying, I'm praying for the church in Iran right now. I'm praying for the believers that are in prison right now. 
I mean, there is a thriving church in Iran. I'm praying that they don't have a war. I'm praying that the church arises. Do you see what I'm saying? And so what happens is we begin to say what the world tells us to say. And it proves who's the king of our life. I know that hurts some of you. Now that offended some of you. But God is saying, am I the king of your life or is the world the king of your life? So this morning, who is your king? I hope it is Jesus. I pray that it's Jesus. You see, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world are in direct conflict with one another. They, we are at war with the spiritual forces. We're not at war with people. We're not at war with the Republicans. We're not at war with the Democrats. We're not, we're not at war with former President Bush or President Obama. We're not, we're not at war with Iran. We're not at, at war with Israel or whatever. We're at war with Satan. The Bible is very clear that we are battles not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And we have to be delivered from this world system. This world system is telling us how do we live our lives. And it's telling us if we dress a certain way, we act a certain way, we eat a certain kind of food, we will be accepted by the world. And, and God doesn't want us to be accepted by the world. God wants us to win the world to Him. You can dress like that. You can eat their food. You can drink their coffee. It doesn't matter. But don't buy into the lie. The kingdom of God is in direct contrast to the kingdom of the world. You see, the kingdom of the world... He's destroying mankind. We will never have true peace until Jesus becomes the Lord. You see, here's what it is. John 10.10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. You see, the world promises us a bill of goods and it's, it's not. Jesus offers us life. And real life is eternity with Him. Real life is living this life. So you and I have to make a decision today. Do I stay the same or do I join Jesus in the triumphant, triumphal procession? Do I allow the world to keep controlling my life? Do I allow them to, t- to tell me how to live my life? Or do I allow Jesus to be the king? Do I follow him wherever he goes? I hope that you follow Jesus wherever he goes because he has life for you. Amen? Number two, let's talk about the people's enthusiasm. The people's enthusiasm. Letter A, religion. Listen to this. Religion suppresses enthusiasm. Did you know that? Religion suppresses true enthusiasm. I mean, it's forced, it's, it's coerced, it's, it's done with a gun, it's done with guilt. I don't know about you, but I, I get excited at worship sometimes. Even when I have to try to pump you. Sometimes I fumble around on the guitar and I miss the, the notes. I do it because I love Jesus. I get excited about seeing you on Sunday mornings. I get excited about preaching the good news of Jesus Christ to you. No one's forcing me. There's no... Olivia's not slapping me in the head. Get up, get up, get up. They've got church today. You know, I don't want to go. I get up because I want to be here. Whether I was a pastor or not, I would still be in church on Sunday. You see, religion forces us. It controls us. And, and here's the thing I talked about. This. Serving God can become a religious function. Coming to church can become a religious function. It becomes rote. You come to church on Sunday, you, you humor Pastor Stan, and you go home, and then you get up on Monday morning, you go to work. You come home. You have dinner, you watch TV, you go to bed. Tuesday morning, you get up. You go to work. You come home, you have dinner, you get on the internet, you watch TV, you go to bed. Wednesday night, you, you come home, you get up. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, maybe you work, maybe you do. And what happens? Then you think, oh, I've got to go back to church again. And you fall into this religion of Christianity that's boring. It's dead. 
There's no enthusiasm. Oh, I have to deal with... Oh, I just... And, and when Jesus came in, when he was the conquering king, they were enthusiastic about it. They were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we've got to say, God, would you refresh my faith again? As I talked about, the Holy Spirit needs to be poured into our lives again. Amen? You see, when rules dictate your, your faith, it's not faith. When you have to feel like you ha- I have to come to church, that's rules. But when you want to come and worship, that's faith. There's a difference. I want to be with God's people. I want to worship God. I want to enjoy the presence of God. I want to hear what God has for me today. I want to serve Him in what I do. But, but when you're like, oh, I have to go. I feel, I feel comp- I'm supposed to go. Then that's religion. And Jesus came to set us free from that. Amen? You see, if, if a, a person's faith doesn't bring liberty and joy, then it, it's only religion. If your Christianity is about rules and regulations, then you're trapped in religion. If you're trying not to do bad things, then you need to get free of that and say, I just want to follow Jesus. Because see, when you begin to follow Jesus, you're not going to want to do the bad things. If you're just saying, I'm just trying not to do bad things, when the Holy Spirit comes into you, 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 just, you don't want to do those anymore. You just begin to follow Jesus. And those old things that used to control your life don't have control of you. But the difference is that when you're, just, you're barely trying to stay out of that trouble, that's religion. Versus, okay, I'm just following Jesus. He has set me free. Remember? I am free this morning. You doing all right? You see, if your image of God is that He's a mean old judge on a celestial throne ready to beat you down and condemn you, then you're trapped by religion because that's not God. He is, a, he is a fair God. He is holy. He is just. He will deal with us. But He's a loving God. He sent His Son to set us free. He gives us His Spirit to guide us, to empower us, to fill us. Amen? Come on, church. If worshiping God is annoying to you, if pastor stands stopping saying, I need you, and you're just annoyed then I'll probably say that your Christianity might be closer to the religion side. When I get annoyed with worship, I know there's something wrong with me. When I get annoyed with preaching, then there's something wrong with me. Because God's Word is good. God's Spirit is good. Worship is good. And so we need to say, Jesus, are you the Lord of my life again? You see, if you would rather... If everything you see... If if you're always looking to see the wrong in everything rather than the right, then I'm probably going to say you're trapped by religion. There is wrong, there is right. And the church is always known for what we're against instead of what we're known for. We're for Jesus. We're for liberty. We're for traditional marriage. We're for healing. We're for the power of God. We're for the poor and the homeless. We're for everybody. But we're always in the public, always fighting them. We're against that. We're against that. We're against that. Well, Pastor Stan, I'm confused. I thought you said you're against same-sex marriage. I am, but I'm for God's marriage. So that for that for makes me, but I'm for that. That's what I'm standing on. I'm not standing that I'm against them. I'm because I'm with God. And they're enemies of God, so it's not, it's not between me and them, it's between them and God. Do you see what I'm saying? Is we need to be free of that. Let it be. Real enthusiasm shows devotion. It shows itself in our lives. Number one, by our actions. Matthew 21, 6-8, it says, The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus was, sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the ground. You, Jesus, again, remember Jesus said in his Gospels that if we love him, we will obey his commands. And you see, in America, we like to obey the commands of Jesus when it's convenient for us. 
And Christianity is you follow me or you don't follow me. All my ways or none of my ways. And it's, it's if you love Jesus, because there's a lot of people in America that call themselves Christians, but their actions prove otherwise. And God is calling for the church to say, would you just follow me? Would you obey me? Because your life is going to be much better. Amen? You see, Christianity is not just a set of beliefs that we esteem, but it's faith that puts action into us. That our actions prove. When, when, when the disciples came and they brought Jesus, the actions, they, they put their coats on the donkey. They, they cut the branches and they put the coats in front of Jesus saying, you are the Lord. Our actions will, will prove that we submit to Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? And so what we're saying is our actions submitting to Christ prove that we are obeying Him. And I said earlier that you and I serve what we're devoted to. Our actions will prove what we're devoted to. You can tell people all you want that you're a Christian, but if your actions prove otherwise, you're showing them who you're devoted to. We can't fool God. You can't fool your friends even. You can't fool me. You can't fool your family. Our actions prove who and what we're devoted to. And I'm asking, are we devoted to Christ the King? The second thing, number two, is by words. Real enthusiasm shows devotion to Christ by, by our actions and by our words. Matthew 21, 9. The crowds that were ahead of Jesus and Him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. They were loudly proclaiming praises to Jesus before Him and after Him. And why is it that it's okay to proclaim praises for everything, but when it comes to Jesus Christ, we're not allowed to proclaim praises about Him. We shout and cheer for God's football team, the Denver Broncos, right? So what? You shout and cheer for, for musicians and, and, and movie stars. When it comes to Jesus, it's like, well, faith is a private thing. If faith is a private thing, then it's not changing you. It's, faith is a public thing. People see it. They know it. They know that you've been with Jesus. People want to be with you if you're with Jesus. Amen? They don't want to be with you as much. I mean, yes, they might, but they don't want to be with you if you don't have Jesus or not because Jesus is a life giver. When's the last time you got excited about Jesus? When's, I mean, I, I, saw my, I saw two girls get on their knees during worship time. I about started to cry during worship. When, whenever our words and our actions, we're excited about Jesus. We're excited about what He's doing in our lives. Amen? When's the last time you got excited to tell your neighbor, hey man, Jesus loves you? When's the last time you got on your knees and prayed for your neighbor? When's the last time you got on your knees and you prayed for your coworker who gets on your nerves? When's the last time you got on your knees for that boss who, who you think is the son of Satan or the daughter of Satan? When's the last time you said, God, I pray that, that you open their eyes this morning, that, that, you'd, that I could proclaim the good news of Jesus. You see, the crowds were proclaiming that Jesus could deliver them. You see, the gospel has to be presented verbally as well. It can be written, but you're the, you're the instrument that God wants to use. Did you know that? It's not my job. I don't have contact with your friends and neighbors and co-workers. You do. I can't preach to them. You're the preacher to them. Romans says this. Hit the next slide. Do I have it? 
Romans 10.14, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? You're the preacher. What? You're the preacher. I'm the pastor who likes to preach. Who gets a little hyper. You're the preacher. That word means to proclaim. It doesn't mean... It says you're to proclaim the good news. You're to tell them the good news. Whether it's written form, email, your lifestyle inviting them to church, praying for them. Your life is to be a witness to them. And they will never know Jesus if you hide Jesus all the time. Amen? If you're expecting me to reach your friends, I can't. Amen? Your friends will know about Jesus because of you. So go get them, preachers. You're the preachers. God just commissioned you. You're the preachers. Pray that you are passionate I mean, I'm serious. And no offense if you vote and I want you to vote and, and whatever political party. But right now, you see all people, they're putting the signs in the yards, we're voting for so-and-so. Where's the Jesus sign? Mm-hmm. I see the sports banners up. Redskins, Ravens, you know, and God forbid if you're a Steelers fan or a Cowboys fan. or I mean, I mean, people, we're, we're about everything, but, but where's Jesus at? Why are we passionate about Jesus? I mean, why, can the, why is it okay for weirdos and perverts to be passionate about what they are? But church, we're like, we can't do that. Amen. Come on, why is it okay for them to come in and start brainwashing our kids and teenagers and then beat us down and tell us we can't talk about Jesus? Who says we can't talk about Jesus? The devil. Remember, Jesus rode on the donkey coming into Jerusalem saying, I am the King of Kings. He gave you permission. And then when He died and was buried and was resurrected, He gave you authority. So when they say, you shut up, you can't talk about Jesus, say, "Ah, excuse me, Jesus says I can talk about Him anytime, wherever I want to. Amen? I'm serious. I'm tired of church being mamby-pamby about, well, I might lose my job. So what? God will provide a better job. Are you going to pay my bills, Pastor? No, God will pay your bills. You need to stop being afraid of talking about Jesus. I mean, you don't have to be in their face. You don't have to take their, your Bible and beat them down. Don't be afraid to talk about Jesus because they want to know. Your co-workers want to know why you're different. And it's not five-hour energy drink. It's not cocaine. It's Jesus. Amen? Number three, apathetic, the cities wonder. Apathetic Christianity doesn't shake the world. Apathetic Christianity doesn't shake the world. One reason the world is apathetic about Christianity, listen to this, is because the church is apathetic about Jesus. They're apathetic about Christianity because we're apathetic about Christianity. And if they, look, they see us always depressed, always arguing, always mad, always discouraged, they're like, I don't want that Jesus. They want the Jesus that brings resurrection. They want the Jesus that heals people. They want the Jesus that refreshes by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? It's time for this church to bring that Jesus back. Amen? It's time for this church to begin to believe in that same Jesus. It's time for this world to hear the, the passion of Jesus Christ. It's time for us to be who God has called us to be. Amen? You see, some of you say, well, Pastor Dan, my life's not perfect. There is no perfect person in this world. His name was Jesus, and He died on the cross so that you could live. Well, I have these things. Then help, just say, Lord, help me deliver, be delivered from these things. God uses imperfect people. Did you see the disciples Jesus picked? He picked thieves. He picked backstabbers, tax collectors. 
I mean, he picked, a, he picked a wild bunch of people and he made them into disciples. And he picked you. And he's making you into a disciple that can change the world. And so, well, you don't know what I did, Pastor You don't know what I did 20 years ago. Jesus put that under the blood. Remember I talked about that. He nailed it at the cross. You're free of that. Amen? Stop beating yourself up about the past. Well, I'm nobody. You are somebody in Christ Jesus. If you're here for more than a week, you'll hear me say that. Well, I would serve Jesus, but, but the last pastor hurt me. I would get involved in the church, but, but that, that brother over there, they, they sit in my pew. I, I would be more involved, pastor, but you don't ask me. I, I would get involved, but you've offended me. That shouldn't stop us from serving Jesus with passion. If someone offends you, go to them and say, Hey man, I'm hurt. If someone did something that they're not even here anymore, you've got to let go of that. Amen? Life is too short for us to be living in the past. You see, that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants you reliving pains. He wants you living in the past because that will affect your future. Remember the example? You cannot walk forward walking backwards. Right? If you're always looking in the back and saying, that's what I did, then the devil will trip you up every time. He's, he's that guy. Remember, some of you, I know you kids never did this, or you never did this as a kid. Remember when someone would stand behind a person? Remember that? I know you didn't do that. And, and I, maybe I don't remember if I did that or not. But I, you remember when, like, you know, someone stands there and another person stands behind them? You remember that? Some of you bullies remember this? And then the other person pushes them? That's Satan. That's the devil doing that to you. You see, when you're looking in the past, then he puts someone there to trip you up. And, you're like, and you can't live in the past. It's over. Go forward now. Amen? Jesus set you free from the past. Isn't that exciting? Letter B. A fear, fearless enthusiasm, a fearless enthusiasm for Christ will arouse the slumbering. A fearless enthusiasm for Christ will arouse the slumbering. You see, the crowds, they shouted. They were excited. The coming of Jesus the King brought liberty from religion. You see, you've got to think about the problem. You, you, think, you think Christianity is hard today in this nation? It's not as hard. It can be difficult. It can be trying. It can be challenging. But talk to our brothers and sisters in Iran. Just recently got a fax about churches in Nigeria being burned and pa- those of pastor family, something got pastor family being burned alive. Life's not that tough here. But you see, they do it out of, they do it, and I, I, I relate to you the story about, about, about the, the missionary who was, who was talking to the pastors in Iran, and, and they, they said to the, these pastors, if you don't stop worshiping, we're going to put you in prison. So what? I've been to prison. I'll preach, to, I'll preach Jesus to them. Do you remember that? That's okay. Put me in prison. I'll preach. I have a, I have a captive audience and they hate you anyway. Well, if, if, if you don't do this, we're going we're gonna to take your family. That's fine. We're, we're, we're Christians. We're going to meet in heaven one day. Well, if you don't stop, we're going to kill you. And he says, that's fine. You kill me. Others will rise up and I'll be with Jesus. See, that's the faith of those that are fearless for Christ. And I'm asking the church, are we fearless for Christ? You see, people are drawn when you have a faith that is passionate. They're drawn to that. When they see Jesus in you, they're like, I'm drawn to that. What is it you have? It's Jesus, man. And He wants to have you. He wants to change your life. And you see, when we're, when we're so tied up to this world, that we're, we're not very passionate about our faith. 
I mean, you don't have to be hyper all the time. Hey, Jesus, 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 I'm there. The dude is weird, you know. You don't have to be like that. But you can be passionate and still be calm. You can be passionate and still believe in great things. You can still have passion for life. You see, a passionate person for Jesus doesn't fear losing their job. They don't fear the things of this world. They don't fear dying. They don't fear whatever the enemy throws at them. They know that God is in charge of their life. And whatever happens, happens. Just like Esther said in the Old Testament, if I die, I die. You see, God gives us power. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, For in Christ, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And check this out. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Who, who is you? Come on. You. Me. Us. Let me read that to you again. For, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity, meaning God, lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. God gives you power and authority over the world system. God gives you power and authority over the demonic. God gives you power and authority over Satan's schemes. You can go over that. We talked about that. Remember last week? I talked about it two weeks ago. Daniel got on his knees. Was it last week? I I lost my track of mine. Daniel got on his knees and he brought a nation to its knees. We have that authority in our prayer life because that scripture right there tells you that you have authority through Christ Jesus. Amen? Why aren't we passionate for our cause? Why aren't we excited about Jesus when when we have authority, when when we know what happens when people get freed, when people are delivered from sin, when people are delivered from, from the bondage of the world? We should be excited about that. Amen? Come on, church. Amen? Let's get our fearless enthusiasm for Christ back. Let her see the empowerment of the Spirit will shake the city. The excitement of the followers of Jesus shook the city. Jesus told the believers after he was buried and, and resurrected, he came back and said, wait in Jerusalem until you're, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you need the Spirit. You need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Luke 24, 49, here's what he said. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power on high. That word power is dunamis. Dunamis means miraculous power. It says, wait in the city. Wait until the Holy Spirit fills you with miraculous power. Then Acts 1.8, but you will receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and the Samaria and the ends of the earth. We are called to be triumphant in Christ Jesus. You're not called to be a victim. You're not called to be a whiner. You're called to be a winner. You're not called to be a victim, but you're called to be a victor in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's what Easter is about. That's what Jesus Christ, when he marched into the city, he says, I am setting the captive free. I am opening the eyes of the blind. I am setting at liberty those who are oppressed by the enemy. Will you march with Jesus? Or will you continue to march to the drum of the world? Are you going to stand with Jesus? Or are you going to allow the world to tell you who to stand for? Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? Are you going to be in that triumphant procession? Are you freed by Jesus? Do you want to be freed by Jesus this morning? Do you want to walk in His fullness? Do you want to walk in His authority? You see, it's time for you and I to join the triumphant procession. It's time for you and I to stop saying, the world is not my boss. 
The world is not my king. Jesus is my king. I'm just going to pray, Holy Spirit, I'm not sure exactly how you want me to end right now. I wanted to have an altar time, but I'm not sure if that's what's going to happen. Spirit of God, would you just now help us? Help us right now. Help us to, to lay down these earthly kingdoms that we have built. I'm going to just start saying out loud what I, what I think some of the earthly kingdoms that we have built. This is what I think the Holy Spirit... Money. A relationship. A big house. A life of ease. A job title or, 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 or an education that proves that you're somebody. Father, would you help us to bow at your throne this morning? That, Lord, the kings of this world will all bow before you. It says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And, Lord, we want to, we want to bow our knees willfully before we have, to be, we have to do it because we did it out of disobedience. So we were in disobedience. Lord, maybe there's a handful of us in this room that we've never given our life to Jesus Christ and we want to do that today to make him the king of our lives. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been drawing you for weeks, months, just to the day. And you know that you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to bow your knee to Him. And you need to say, Jesus, you're over my life. With your heads, closed, your heads bowed, your eyes closed. And you know this is you. You need to give your life to Jesus. You need to allow Him to be your Savior. To be your King. With heads bowed, eyes closed. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I need to make Jesus the King of my life. Okay, hands down. Father, for my friends that just said, I need to make him the king of my life, Lord, would you help them to live that life and let them be free today? Let them be free by submitting to you. Now, Lord, I, I don't want to draw attention to anyone. In fact, I'm not even going to look up, Lord. I'm going to keep my eyes closed too. Lord, some of us in this room have put other things ahead of you. And we want to put it in its rightful place. And we want to put it behind. And we want to put it under you. Friends, if that's you, I'm going to, I'm, I have my eyes closed. In fact, I'll cover my eyes. And you know that you need to put something behind Christ. And it's put it, it, you've put it ahead of Christ. And if that's you, would you just... I'm covering my eyes. Would you just quickly raise your hand and put it down? Say, that's me. I, I have something that's I've put ahead of Christ. Come on. Don't be afraid. Up and down. Put your hands up and down. i got my eyes covered. No one's looking around. Please, no one look around. Come on. Hands up and down. you put something else in front of Christ. Hands up and down. Okay. Father, we submit everything to you. Now, here's the last thing. is I've talked about this. I've talked about us saying, Holy Spirit, breathe life into us. Breathe passion into our lifeless Christianity. And if that's you saying, I want life again. I want true Holy Spirit enthusiasm. Would you just raise your hand? Say, that's me. I want my faith to be Holy Spirit enthusiastic now. I want true life in my faith from now on. I want people to see it. Put your hands down. Father, for my friends that raise your hand, Lord, would you breathe life into us? I put my hand up, God. I want my life to be real. I want real enthusiasm, God. I, wa I want real love to show for my life that people really see Jesus in my life. So, Lord, bless us and help us. Now, the last thing is this, and I'm not looking around. I want you to say, you know what? I want to be bold for Christ that I will share with my friends or my neighbors or my coworkers or my families the love of Jesus Christ. And if that's you, would just raise your hand and put it down. So that's me. I want to be bold now. 
Hands up and down. I want to be bold with the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm the preacher. Hands up and down. Father, for those of us to put our hands up and down, that Lord, you'd help us to be witnesses. And we can proclaim the good news to our family, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, even our enemies, God, that they can be free in Jesus' name. Now, Lord Jesus, here's the last thing I want you to do, and you can look at me. If you have a need, physical, financial, spiritual, emotional, and you want us to pray with you, 